Hi, this is Jeff, the Speaking Deacon, and what we've done for Memorial Day is the message is done, and I've put it right to the top of the list so we could get it out on the same weekend. The importance about this particular message is when it's Memorial Day, we not only remember the folks who sacrificed their lives for our freedom, but also Jesus Christ who sacrificed his life for our eternal freedom. In other words, the gospel message is in this particular podcast. So I ask you to not only listen to it, but this is a great time to share it with friends, families, and neighbors, folks you care about, that they would understand what the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus really means. So, um, happy Memorial Day weekend to you, and uh, may Jesus be glorified in your life this week. Thank you. He's a Deacon Deacon Jeff Rosignol. It's a fine blend of discipleship and entertainment. Truth is here. Good morning, Father. Please get me out of your way, that your truths would be lifted up, that we would understand them and, and obey through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that you would be glorified. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, it's Memorial Day weekend. So we're remembering that there are men and women who, in time past and, some, and currently, going out of harm's way to other nations, to defending our country's interest and our borders, keeping us as a free nation. Of course, you can't have freedom without individual responsibility, but still in this country, there's remnants of it that still exists, and it's nice to remember what those people have done for us. The one thing that I noticed while we were waiting at the parade was the memorial service. Now, believe it or not, Memorial Day has a memorial service. And um, the majority of folks, you know, don't go to it. But there was about 60 folks down there at the memorial service. And there was a speech. And, uh, you know, uh, Pastor Richie White, he, he uh, gave uh, the closing prayer, the benediction. You know, part of that got me reminiscing, not reminiscing as in I was there, but thinking, you know, it seems like just last year at this time I was cooking burgers at a barbecue. And just the year before that I was just cooking burgers at a barbecue. And it seems to be a little bit quicker. It's like that could have been yesterday, right, that we were cooking the burgers last year. And here we are. There's a smaller group of people. There's less old men color guard they have to be replaced with new folks because the other folks are gone. And we go to visit their grave sites. Right? Things are in transition. Things are moving. So then what was really interesting is uh, Michelle went to the alumni banquet. And the alumni banquet had a bulletin. That bulletin was talking about, one part of it was tribute to the deceased members starting in 1905 to 2015. So 110 years. So the last thing last night before I shut off my brain is I, you know, there on the, on the coffee table was the bulletin. And I pick it up and I'm looking at this, this brochure or bulletin. And there was history, 110 plus years, because they had the three pawpaw schools starting in the 1800s, right? Here it was. Now, that's, that slice of history, there were human beings that lived during that time that did what we did. 
They got up in the morning. They had a day. They looked forward to their day. They had jobs. They drank coffee. They enjoyed barbecues. But they're gone. They're gone. Did they know it was coming? Did they prep for that? Do we think about those things that... It's, you know, unless we live to a hundred, which, you know, we have one granddaddy who's had 96, most of us are not going to make 96. All right? What are we, do we have that in mind that just as quickly as Christmas is coming up, so is all our death? And I don't mean that to be in a morbid sense, no pun intended, but. It's transient. We're here in a transient way. What we think, and we're experiencing the moments, we, I picked up a flyer, and for people in a pawpaw high school, those moments are done. They're gone. They're gone. Understand? Do we take a moment to really contemplate that time is just a blip on the radar? It's kind of like a train. We're sitting on a train and it starts out slow and first we start to see the building chug by. That's us as a kid, isn't it? Because when we're waiting for Christmas as a kid, a month is eternity. And a week is torture before Christmas. And we see that the train's creeping forward and there's Christmas time. And come on, Christmas, I can't sleep anymore. Right, as a kid. And then as an adult, it's like, didn't we just have a Christmas? Oh, there goes another Christmas. There goes another Christmas. Wait a minute. No, no, we just had a Christmas. Right? And three more Christmases just went by. Now we get into our senior years of life and it's like a boom. A Christmas is like a month go by. Boom, boom, boom. And time is speeding up in our perception of time. That's why children, they look at adults sitting at a table and go, how can they do that? They just sat there for two hours and just talked. When a kid, they talk to one each other for two seconds and then they have to go do something else. Because to them, their perception of time and their life is in, is in hyper mode in the now but a day is forever for them. But for us as adults, we have a barbecue, we sit down, four or five hours go by, and, and that was just like that. Yesterday's gone, isn't it? Right? And so this time keeps speeding up, speeding up for us who get older and our experience allow us to see that time is fleeting. And all I can say to everyone who's enjoying the gray hair in this room, and there's, a, there's several folks, if I let my beard grow, I got some gray right there. It's very embarrassing for me. All right, anyway. But, <laughs> but the idea is this is what a gift from God. What? It'll only get worse. It'll only get worse. I'm just going to keep it more trim. All right. But it's what a gift from God is. He's, he's giving us just enough time to realize it's fleeting. He's giving us just enough time to say, look a little bit further down the road, please. And in that time, he's giving us certain things he wants us to specifically know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt. And that is where we're going once these bodies wear out. That's the gospel. It's the good news. And so I thought, what a great Memorial Day weekend to remember 
And not only remember, you see, God has commanded us to know for sure that we're going to heaven. God commanded that. So if you've ever doubted or you still doubt or you're not sure you're going to heaven, you're already disobeying God. All right, we don't want to be disobedient to God. He commands us to know. So we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at the memorial service of the one sacrifice that truly counts on our behalf. And that's the sacrifice of Jesus. Now first, here's a few time verses from God to help us um, get a grip on things. James 4, 13 through 17 Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is... You boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. There's a couple things that may or may not bother you. How sovereign is God? Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills. Do we really want the will of the Lord in our agenda today or tomorrow? Is he our God or is he our backup safety option? Here's another time verse. Ephesians 5:15-17. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let's unpack that. How many of you believe in this part? Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Yesterday was an amazing, grace-filled, beautiful, stupendous day. Wasn't it? The sun was out, but the air was cool. The skies were blue, right? I mean, it was a great day. In the midst of all that, some people didn't want to take the track I gave him. I had one man, he took the track in the flyer, and he flumped it. I don't want this. Here, take that back. The days are evil. How many of those people in Pawpaw yesterday are enemies of God and hate God's guts? They hate everything about God. They would never, ever step into this church for any reason whatsoever, except maybe a marriage and a death. All right? But I just saw, you everyone know The Rock, right? That superstar, the movie star? He just gave, California gave him a license so he could marry some people, just because it was a cool thing to do. Guy's not a Christian. He said the universe gave him the power to do it. All right? And he didn't mean to be any harm towards God. He doesn't know God. He hates God. He doesn't give a rip about God. Right? The days are evil. How many of those people hate God or are indifferent to God? To be indifferent to God is to hate God. Why isn't this church bursting at the seams of people? 
right? Because the days are evil and people are choosing not God versus God. It's anything else but step into a church and objectively study the Scriptures. Anything else but that is okay for my day. Alright? The days are really evil. Now, we're commanded to make sure we know for sure that we're going to heaven. And look at 1 John 5.13. The first time this verse stuck out to me is when my grandmother was passing away. And she was living with my aunt up in Maine. And um, we gave her this verse. You know, she had never read a Bible, and I wasn't good at talking about Jesus. I was the crazy Christian in a Catholic family. And how do I tell her? And I brought this verse. I said, look what the Bible says, Grammy. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants us to know. Look at this. God wants us to know that we're going to heaven. What's the most important thing? Friday, before the kids go to school, we practice a little bit of the catechism. The Westminster Catechism. What's the chief end of man? To love and enjoy God forever. And both my kids know that. And they they added their own additional stuff. But it's to love and enjoy God forever. That's the chief end and purpose of mankind. We're to know we're going to heaven. So first, we've got to um, get a grip on things. Step one, we've got to level the playing field. Level the playing field. And let's get all practice. Let's all practice admitting we're sinners on every sin. Who is evil? In this world, who is evil? You and I are. We're evil. We're evil. If you can't, I'm just a good person trying my best and sometimes I'm not perfect. That's not good enough. You don't need a Jesus if you're saying that still. You're evil. You've got to be able to say it. You've got to be the first Christian in the room to say, I'm the evil one. I deserve the wrath of God. If you can't say that, you're no good to God because God can't use a proud person. God needs a humble person. And I can certainly say I'm the most evil person in this room. Now let's help practice other people. Let's help other people practice what that means. Help them understand. We have these pesky things called the Ten Commandments that are the mirror and they reflect the true condition of our spirit towards God. Uh, God says, you know, if someone says, are you a good person? Yeah, I'm a good person. Well, let's put that to the test. All right? Be objective. Honor your father and mother. Have you ever dishonored your father and mother? Let's all practice this. Let's see if you can raise your hand on this one. Have you ever dishonored your father and mother? Thank you. Good job, everybody. I certainly have. All right? That would make us guilty of disobeying God. That alone is enough to cast us into hell for eternity. That one. No! That's all it takes. Right? You shall not murder. Has anyone in this room ever murdered somebody? No one's going to admit this one. So let me... Jesus raises the bar. Jesus says, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Okay? Jesus says, If you hate your brother, that equals murder. Okay? It's not, I'm not talking about being angry with someone and you need to have a confrontation. I'm talking that loathing, that person you loathe. 
you ah, they're your neighbor, they're your friend, they might be a family member, and you know you'll forgive everyone, but you won't forget that loser, right? That Jesus says that equals murder. How many of us are murderers now in heart? Only two raise their hand. There and oh 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 okay. Here's the uncomfortable one. You shall not commit adultery. Alright? Now, Jesus raises the bar. If anyone looks at a woman with lust, has already committed adultery in her heart. That goes the same for the opposite gender, going the other way. So that means any physical intimacy practiced in the brains outside the boundaries of marriage is guilty. It makes you an adulterer at heart. Who is guilty of that? few hands are raised. Alright, good job. Good job. So now, let's do one more. No, let's do three more. You shall not steal, regardless of the value have ever stolen something. Even off the internet, a song, you pirated a song. <laughs> so that is stealing. Alright, how many are guilty of stealing? Alright. Um, you shall not lie. Bearing false witness, you shall not lie. How many of us have lied before? Okay. Covet means, man, look at that nice car they got. I want that car. They stink because their car's so awesome. That's coveting, okay? How many of us have coveted? All right. So now, by our own admission, we're lying, thieving. Oh, I didn't even mention blasphemy, using the Lord's name in vain. Have you ever used the Lord's name in vain? I used to do that like it was poetry. Add other couple explicitives, maybe give Jesus a middle name, right? Very evil, evil stuff. All right? So now, by our own admission, we're lying, thieving, blasphemous, murderous, adulterers at heart. Now, if we're to stand before the throne of God, are we innocent or guilty? By our own admission. All right? Now, let's just put, make a. Uh, here's what the Bible says, James 2.10, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails at one point has become accountable for all of it. So even if we just did one of those, we're guilty for breaking all of God's law. So everybody does that. Everybody is guilty. Oh yeah, here's, here's the excuse. So let's say you might want to say, yeah, but... Everybody's guilty then. I, God can't blame me because everyone in this room just admitted it. So God can't pick on me, can he? Can God pick on you because you broke his laws if everyone else in the room did it? Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah, well said. You know, that's Adam and Eve in the garden. God said, who told you to eat from the fruit of the tree? Uh, Adam said, hey, I, the woman you gave me, that's her fault. The woman said, uh, the, 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 the snake there, he made me do it. Right? And God, really, it's your fault because you made this whole situation allowed to happen. Right? It's actually, the blame always went back to God. But um, Psalms 30, 133, if, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? And Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. As Christians, we've got to be very comfortable being the first people in the room to put it right out there. Hey, if you want a sinner, you found one. Matter of fact, we were talking yesterday about the Duggar family, right? The, one of the, the sons did bad stuff when he was a 14-year-old to his sisters, and now he's married with a wife. But he even told his wife of the things that he did when he was a child. 
And she was fine with it. They got married. It was reconciled. It was all done in God's eyes. But once the world finally got to it, see, the Duggar family glorified Jesus. And the devil's job is to accuse the brethren. So as soon as they could find a skeleton big enough, they're able to shut down the show and stop glorifying Jesus. Now, as Christians, we got to be ready to have someone point at our guilt so we can say, yeah, sure. We've got to disarm them. So let's say if you ever want to run for politics, write a book with all your sins in it up front and give your redemption story because the media is coming after you. The devil is going to come after you. Um, a good God, a just God, must punish sin. So how could a good God, a loving God, send people to hell? Because he's a good God. And a good God must punish sin. So uh, Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. John 3.36, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Look at the standard truth. This is the universal truth. But the wrath of God remains on him. Apart from Christ, the wrath of God remains. That means it's a precondition. So the average person, the wrath of God is on them, not the love of God. God does not love everybody. He doesn't. God's love is conditional. You must come through His Son, else you are still an object of His wrath. His wrath is just. His wrath is holy, and we all just admitted we deserve it. So we can all say it is just, fair, and right for God to punish me and send me to hell. Right? Do we truly believe that? Okay? God's judgment is terrifying. In 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9, in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the good news, gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. All right, and actually, this is in the context of the return of Christ. When Jesus Christ comes bursting through the sky, um, Christians will celebrate, and all these people in Papa who are not in church because they don't love God will be terrified. And then all the pain and suffering and hellfire of God will come down on them, and forever they will be eternally punished because they thought they were better than God. And they thought they were holier than God. And they thought they didn't need God. And they didn't need a track. And they don't need to read their Bible. And they just get their morals from Facebook. And that is their punishment. So now all humanity has a problem. God is good. God is holy. But we're evil in God's sight. So let's practice for a second. In your hearts, if we're to stand before the throne of God... All right. It says in Romans 14.12, So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So we close our eyes. It's our deathbed. We close our eyes. We wake up. We're before the throne of God. We're up there. His holiness, his righteousness, his amazingness. And he says, Why should I let you in my heaven? 
Take a moment to think of that. What would you say? That's a rhetorical question. I want you to think about the answers. What sort of things would just come out of our mouth? Why should God let you into his heaven? We've already admitted we're sinners. So what are we going to do? Let's look at some of the, the common answers. Will we try to justify ourselves? I was good. I went to church all my life. I did good. I walked the aisle. A preacher called everyone to come up front and kneel and magically wave his fingertips and everybody, you know, that, must, that action must have saved me from hell. Or I prayed the sinner's prayer. I was at a VBS. We got a VBS coming up, right? I was whatever. I was, you know, I, I prayed the sinner's prayer. So magically that, it was like a spell. I'm saved, right? Um, I was part of the Lions Club. I was part of a social organization, always giving to others all my life. I gave to others. Um, uh, believed in social justices, all right? That's justifying ourselves when we stand before God's throne. Or do we come up with excuses? Um, I didn't know it, you were the right God to follow. I didn't know your Bible was the right Bible to follow. How, I, there's so many religions, God, right? How do we know the Bible was the right one? Which always leads back to the real key signature of how you know someone's going to hell is they blame God, who is righteous, holy, and good and sovereign, for their sin. God, you placed me in that abusive, alcoholic, broken home. Those parents, your your loved one, uh, you let my loved ones die in that accident. Your local church did me wrong. Uh, You made me with those sexual desires. You made me that way. It's your fault, God, is why I didn't follow you. That's like, that's just like monstrous evil. I mean, that is a monster of just hate and sin that would ever blame a holy God for bad. Right? And especially blaming God for our responsibility to obey Him. You understand? That's the ultimate of rebellion. So let's start to study the one and only right answer. There is only one right answer. Um, here's how God so loved the world. Because there is our favorite football verse, John 3.16. And it does say, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But look what it says in the next one. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So this is how, what I'm about to tell you is how God loved the world. First, what he didn't do is he didn't say, I just love everybody. I'm a big Santa Claus, and even though you're sinners and you're not in church and you don't read your Bibles, because you don't even know where your Bible is, and you don't care, you don't care, I'm going to let you in and hug you and cuddle you. That is not how God loves us. Those people are still under his wrath, and they are one heartbeat from hell, eternal punishment forever. One heartbeat one breath of God's righteous judgment on them. Here's how God loved us. 
He loved us so much that he brought Jesus Christ, the God-man, to this earth. And it says in 1 John 2, 2 and... uh, Here, we'll just read these verses here. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, but for also the sins of the world, the whole world. 1 John 4.10, In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. How did God... Now, propitiation, propitiation, which is a word every Christian should know, even if we can't say it, it means God's righteous judgment is satisfied. It's satisfied. Somehow, I'm guilty, but God's wrath towards me is satisfied. Now, here's how this happens. Um, For our sake, and this is 2 Corinthians 5.21, He, God, made Him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. So we have all these responsible grown-ups here. Um, I'm going to give you a couple more Bible verses, then I'm going to need a volunteer. At least one. Alright, Jesus is our substitute sinner, even though He never sinned. Alright? God made Jesus the object of His wrath to satisfy His justice. Now, this is the most important part. So, as you start to get tired and Jeff's talked too much and there's still some time to go, I really want you to pay attention to this piece because this is the key. The key that saves us from hell is this part. Alright? Jesus, God made Jesus the object of his wrath. So instead of God locking his guns on us and saying, here you go, here's what you always wanted, to be justified by yourself, he takes Jesus, he pins him on this cross, and then all our sin goes on him. God's mercy and grace saved us from God's justice. So, wait a minute, Jeff, what are, you, are you trying to say that God saved us from God? That's exactly what I'm saying. God saved us from God. Romans 8, 1 through 4. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son, this is the key part, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, He condemns sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in who? In us. Do you understand? Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Let me see if this is where I need my volunteers. I'm going to illustrate this. Here's the fancy term, imputation. May I have a volunteer, please? Someone. I need somebody. Come on, volunteer. Somebody, come on, wake up. Like I'm flapping my, I look like a bird. Can someone come up here before I volunteer? All right, I'm going to take Michelle. (laughs) I'm going to need one more person. Who wants to be Jesus? All right, Dave. Okay, Dave. Can you come up and be Jesus? You got the energy? I guess. All right. Okay, so here's my wife. She's the sinner. (laughs) And here's Dave. He's Jesus. Okay? He's got a beard. Okay. Hold that up there. Silky smooth. 
right. So, here's Michelle's righteousness. Okay? Here it is. This is one of our towels from when we got married. (laughs) So, here it is. Now, she's standing before God the Father, and that's as best as she can offer to God the Father. She's got nothing. Right? Now, God says, I got it. Imputation means there's going to be a legal transaction that's going to take place. God is somehow going to make Michelle legally allowed to enter heaven. Alright? So, hold on to your righteousness there, Jesus. Okay. So Jesus comes up and says, Dad, I'm going, to t- I'm going to die in her place. I'm going to be sacrificed for her. So what Jesus and God do is they take the righteousness off Jesus and then they take all the filth and sin that we, or in this case, my lovely wife, has ever done and God accuses Jesus, puts all that evil onto Jesus, so now all of the justice that she deserves, God is now going to unload on His Son. Right? And that's what the cross is. So at that time, Jesus is on the cross. If you remember, the skies grew dark. Because when God, even in the middle of a bright day, when God is not looking... It gets dark. And the skies grew dark and Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's because Michelle's sin, my sin, all our sin went on Jesus. Right? And then he dies with it. But because he's God, three days later, he rises again. Because he never had sin. Now here's what else happens. is God now looks at everyone who trusts in that death and he credits... Michelle, with the righteousness of Jesus. So now every time God looks at Michelle, He doesn't see the cruddy old sin. As a matter of fact, He forgot it. It doesn't exist. He sees the righteousness of Jesus around her. And now He's obligated to legally dismiss her case. She is now no longer, nor can be, no longer found guilty before God. Do you understand? That's the good news. And what did she do for that? She yielded. We'll talk about that next. Thank you, everybody. Well done, honey. Well done. All right. Did that make sense? That's what imputation means. God can legally dismiss your case even though we all admitted we're guilty. So instead of the ABCs, this is what I came up with this morning. Here's where the rubber meets the road. This is where the heart engages with this truth. I just gave you the truth of truths, the secret of the universe, the the meaning of life and everything is just in what I shared with you. That is the turning point piece of information. What do we do with that? First, we have to admit we're evil and deserve God's justice. If we can't admit that we're evil and deserve God's justice... See how I'm not using the word sin? In America, we don't think sin is bad. We think sin is, I'm just not that great. We're evil and deserve God's justice. The trust is trust. You have to trust in it. That Jesus Christ substituted Himself in your place and took God's punishment on your behalf. On your behalf. Not everybody's behalf. On my behalf. 
Forget the rest of you. Jesus needs to save me. Right? You all got to be able to grab that and go, no, 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 me, me. Let it count for me, please. God can legally declare you justified before Himself and allow you a relationship with Him. Remember how the Scripture says that we can boldly come before the throne through Christ Jesus? That's the throne of God the Father, the Creator and Sustainer of the universe. We can pray even on earth before His throne. Ask. Ask God to let the sacrifice of Jesus be applied to you. Please, Jesus, let, please, God, let that be for me. Let that be for me. I guarantee you, your neighbors, your friends, your families can't pray that. They can't pray that without the Holy Spirit. They'll say, Jesus died? Okay, good. I'm going to keep on living the way I'm living. They, didn't, they, they don't care that. They, they don't understand. They don't care that they're evil. And so then they don't care about the sacrifice. You see, it's about the sacrifice being applied to me and applied to you. And then you have to yield. Yield yourself to God and be His servant, His slave, and tell Him you will learn His will and obey. That's what it means to be a Christian. When, when I prayed again in my 20s, asking Jesus to take control of my life, and then five or six months went by, and I'd look back, am I any different than I was five or six months ago? And I would think, well, I'm praying more, I'm not reciting prayers, I'm more sincere, I started reading my Bible. And I would have little grown-up parties. You know like when children lose their first tooth and their first big tooth comes in? Right? What we're looking for is, is Jesus changing me into the image of His Son? And that's what we're looking for here, is you yield to Christ. You have to ask Him to let that sacrifice be applied to you. So now, when we stand before the throne of God, this is, what the, this is what the answer looks like. So when you stand before the throne of God, first I just got to echo what Job said. Job always had the right answer, believe it or not, at the end. Job answered and said to the Lord, I have heard you by the hearing of the ear, and now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. That's what happens when a Christian sees the righteousness of God. He despises himself because he knows he's evil, and then he repents, he turns from it, and yields himself to Almighty God and His mercy and grace. So here's the right answer. I know I am an evil sinner deserving your wrath in your heart. Answer this right now. Can you say that? If you can't say this one, the rest of it's irrelevant to you. You're your own God. Go, go have a great day and see how well that works for you when you die. If you can't get beyond this, that you know you are evil and you deserve God's wrath, you can never accept the cross. Where are you in your heart? Where are you in your heart? I stand here forgiven because you had Jesus take my punishment for me. Jesus Christ, my Savior and Lord, is the only reason, the only reason I can come into your heaven. I bring you nothing.
That's what it means to be saved. That's the gospel. So God, here's the pesky thing. God commands everyone to repent. So those people who didn't take the track from you because it, had, it glorified God, if God's commanding a sinner to repent and they don't repent, how much more worse is their hell going to be because they trampled the Son of God underfoot? And that's a warning from 1 Peter. All right? You need to trust in the deepest part of your heart that it is only the sacrifice of Jesus Christ instead of you to satisfy the justice of God that you deserve. Okay? And then here it is in 2 Peter, and then we're done. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. If for you practice these qualities, you will never fail. Be to confirm your calling and election. Know that you are saved. Know that you are going to heaven. Know it. Know it. That's all that matters. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the amazing sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And may these Christians be firmly planted in this truth that their sanctification would be sure and that their glorification in heaven would be amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. From Bible's websites to theology, apps to blogs, there are so many fantastic resources for Christians. Get the latest news and reviews on what is out there to help you grow in Christ. The Speakin Deacon.com. Truth is here.